Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, sports fans, to another episode of the Charity Stripe Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Los Angeles. For those listening at home, on the road, in the air, or in the water, do you believe? We have a great one today. Speaking of in the water, we have swimming legend, Olympic icon, Missy Franklin joining the show today. So buckle up, hop in the pool, get your floaties on, because here we go. Three, two, one. We're back. We sitting here. I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. It's the Charity Stripe. Hit your free throws because they have free. So 285 coming hot at you guys. And so 284. And I'm joined on this one by Alex Tossing the Rock Tosopolis and Nikki Snacks Kreida. And I'm pretty sure it's 285. I didn't check, but the last one was 284. At this point, it's just like the days in COVID. It's just mumbo jumbo italiano. Um, but speaking of mumbo jumbo italiano, you know what's not mumbo jumbo italiano, Toss? What? Our sponsor. Who are we brought to you by? We're brought to you by Bet Online. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place mm-hmm. online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. You know what you could do, hypothetically, if you had a time machine? What? You could go back in time to the year 2012, Summer Olympics in London, and you could throw the house on every backstroke event Missy Franklin's in. Yeah. Basically just any event at all. She won four gold medals. That one. And that go. At that, uh, at that Olympics, which is really, really incredible. The Please. entire time we talked to Missy, yeah. I mean, you'll, we'll get into it, obviously. We're about to get into it. It's an incredible interview. Um but I just couldn't stop thinking about how when my mom took me to the local Dallas YMCA, what she had to do to get me into the pool was bribe me basically with Pokemon cards, packs of Pokemon cards, because I just didn't want to learn how to swim. But I'm very grateful that I did get into the pool and learned how to swim because now we live by a beach and that's everyone true. should learn how to swim, um, you know, if, if that's a possibility for them because it's an important life skill. Oh, dude, she would, in the water, how, f- she would be there and back before you got there, you think? Yeah. I'm, Easy yeah. money, right? She can swim faster than I can sprint. You think? Probably. That's like, that would be interesting. Probably. That's an interesting take. Well, we, when we get her back again, we'll have to ask. But without further ado, enough, enough of us blabbing, let's get into the Charity Stripe interview with the Missy Franklin. Enjoy. All right, guys, you heard it in our introduction. We have one of the most accomplished swimmers in the history of swimming joining the show today, five-time Olympic gold medalist, Missy Franklin. How are you? I am so good. I'm I'm so excited to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me. Oh, totally. I mean, this is such a... 
I remember watching you and we got to go back and watch all your highlights and all your accomplishments, the records you broke, the, the medals you won. And the craziest thing for me, at least, was after all that, one of the announcers goes, and I can't believe she's only 17. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> I was like failing my driving test at 17. And there and then we have an, a record holder um, for you of all these accomplishments and things you've got to do. What today still is the most shocking thing? Like surprises you the most? That is such a good question. You know, it's funny because I think from the outside looking in, you kind of see this 17 year old at her first Olympic games, kind of winning gold medals and breaking world records. And it might be shocking from the outside, but for me, that was all I had ever dreamed about and all I had ever worked towards. So as silly as it sounds, even in that moment, it was surreal, but it wasn't necessarily shocking because it was like, this is it. Like, this is what I've been working towards ever since I was five years old. I've dreamt of being on an Olympic podium, winning a gold medal. So I really don't think that there was anything that truly shocked me because I had dedicated so much of my life every single day to working towards making these things happen. So when they did, it was less of a shock and more so just this kind of like unbelievable amazement, like that it had actually happened and come true. And like all that hard work and everything that I had put into it really did pay off the way that I had always hoped that it would. Yeah. I mean, watching you kind of walk towards, you know, the pool it looked like you knew you meant like right now you're smiling bubbly and then watching you walk towards the pool. I'm like, Oh man, I, I would not get in the water with her. That is, that is not mess with me. I can be super intimidating. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, that is, that is competitive. So starting at five, at what point did you know that swimming was going to be your life going to be, you know, your calling card? Oh, so uh, gosh, I did every sport imaginable growing up. So my parents put me in swimming, they put me in soccer, in basketball, in volleyball, tennis, ice skating, dancing, like you name it. I tried everything. And I love that they did that because it just gave me such a good idea of what I truly enjoyed and what I didn't. Like when I was, I just started liking running after I retired, but for literally my entire life, running would be my least favorite thing to do so like soccer and basketball is like yeah I love it but I hate running and that's kind of a crucial part of these sports so like maybe not the best thing for me but swimming I always just loved it so much with my whole heart and I was 12 years old when I qualified for Olympic trials in 2008 I went to Olympic trials when I was 13 so like baby nugget. And I was there and I just remember actually competing in the same pool as athletes that I had looked up to my whole life and literally being in the same warm down pool as Michael Phelps and Nathan Adrian and Natalie Coughlin at 13. Like if you can imagine what an unbelievable experience that was and to actually see firsthand people making an Olympic team and just the joy and the exuberance and It was just such a life forming experience for me that, you know, I left Olympic trials in 2008 and of course was not planning on making the team that year, which is kind of there. And I think I went three best times. So I was thrilled. Um, I think my highest placement was like 33rd, but I remember I left and I looked at my parents and I said, you know, four years from now, it's going to be back in Omaha. It's going to be the London Olympic games. And I want to have a shot. Like, I don't care what it takes. I know I didn't have a chance to make it this time around, but four years from now, I want to do whatever it takes. So I at least give myself one shot to make that Olympic team. And I was 13. So I think that was kind of really where it kind of sunk in for me. That's, you know, Hey, if you want to do this, it's up to you and put your head down and get to work. Wow. I, I have to ask because we've talked to other athletes before and you know, they talk, People talk about Steve Nash, right, who's now the the coach of the the Brooklyn Nets, but he started as a soccer player before he played basketball. And people always say that that, you know, that teamwork and his footwork were so great because he played soccer as well. Do you think that applies in the case of swimming? Did the other sports that you were playing, did that translate into the pool at all? Or or was it just good that you had those other things that you were doing? where you got to really figure out that swimming was the one thing that you wanted to continue to do. Yeah. You know, from an athletic 
aesthetic standpoint, you know, swimmers are always kind of the butt of the jokes of we're the clumsiest, we're the least coordinated. So like, I think swimming is kind of what happens after you try the sports. You're like, oh, I don't know. Like, let's just throw them in a pool. Take that kid and toss them in and hope, yeah, let's hope they're okay. <laughs> so I don't know if like really technically um, those sports really helped me in the pool, but I think you know, it's everything else that sport brings to the table too. Like, I think one of the biggest things for me is I love being a part of a team. And I think I really felt that being on a soccer team, being on a basketball team, being on a volleyball team and having those experiences really carried over to my swimming. Cause even though so many people consider it an individual sport, I never did, you know, yeah. I'm with my teammates every day at practice. Whenever I get up behind a block, I have a team cap on my head. I'm representing something that's bigger than myself. So for me, I think it was probably more a lot of the emotional aspects of other sports that I kind of brought with me into the pool. It's such an interesting, cause it, it cause there's points where you're doing medleys and you're doing relays and there's other points where you're competing against those people in the next race. So what's that like kind of in the locker room going, okay, we're going to compete together um, on this relay, but then we're going to go head to head against each other in the next race. Is there, a, is there like an awkwardness or is that just the nature of the game? You know, I think it's just the nature of the game. And I think it takes really special people to do that. And I think I'm very biased um, because I have the best friends and the best teammates in the whole world, but swimmers are just really good people. And I think, you know, part of that is kind of what we do have to undertake in that even if you look at something as big as the Olympics, you know, we have our trials four weeks before the games. So literally four weeks before the Olympics, we are all competing with every ounce of our being to beat the other one, to get our hand on the wall and make that team. And then we have four weeks to become the most close knit group imaginable and go compete as team USA at the Olympic games. So <laughs> that's a really quick turnaround, but I think everyone just has that mutual understanding and respect that yes, when you get up on that blocks, when, when you dive in, like that is your race, you are doing whatever you can to be your best. But also at the end of the day, it is so much bigger than yourself and mm -hmm. so much bigger than what you're doing in the pool. And I think that's one of the reasons why I always saw it as that team sport is when you really allow yourself to lean into that kind of atmosphere, it just becomes magical the way that you're able to lift each other up, to encourage each other, to inspire each other. And that's what makes us all individually better as well. Right. So everything is just so interconnected. Absolutely. And that's like the beauty of the Olympics is that while a lot of the sports and competition is individual, you're all under that one flag, that one banner. So at the end of the day, you do have that thing to fall back on that you're each, each athlete is going for their country at what point because to me I swam not competitively but I did swim a lot in college I took classes I mean I would like to say college was hard but it wasn't um <laughs> the the toughest and by it, it is so hard for me because I'll end up on the other side of the pool how did backstroke become your go-to because it is impossible I'm not gonna lie Hey, I just wanted to do something where I could breathe as much as possible. So <laughs> okay, that landed me one stroke. <laughs> no, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because even just talking about Olympic trials in 2008, when I was 12, I qualified in the 50 and 100 freestyle and the 200 IM. Uh, I didn't even qualify in a backstroke event for my first Olympic trials. And I tell younger kids that. And I love sharing that story because unfortunately, I think we're seeing a trend in the sport where people are trying to specialize really, really early, uh, which I think is so silly because our bodies change so much. We change so much. And there's no reason for an 11, 12, 13 year old to say, oh, I'm a breaststroker or, or I'm a backstroker. So it's like, no, you're not. You're 13. Like you can do whatever you want. <laughs> and so I think, you know, for me, as I kind of grew into my height, into my strength, I think longer, taller athletes for swimming um, have a little bit of that advantage in the long access strokes, so freestyle and backstroke. So I was always just naturally a little bit better at those. And for whatever reason, my backstroke just kind of hit a stride. And that's what I started to excel in and just kind of stayed with it. So again, there's not really a rhyme or a reason to it. It's just my coach encouraged me to try everything and to continue improving on my strokes every practice. And 
I found a groove with my backstroke and just went with it. Going back to qualifiers, what do you say there's more pressure in a qualifying race or like a race for an actual medal? Because I feel like, I mean, you got to, you got to qualify first. Totally. Trials is infinitely harder than the actual Olympics. I mean, and everyone will tell you that every single person. I mean, when you think about the amount of work that goes in to not only just eight days of competition, but swimmers are a little bit, you have to be a little crazy, right? Like you just have to be, we train so hard to drop tenths of a second in races. Like we're all a little bit psychotic. And so when you go to Olympic trials and you have four years of work that literally comes down to 58 seconds, 58 seconds. And there's like no redo. There's no second chance. Like that is it. If you slip off the start, done. That's it. Four years of work, gone. If you get sick, gone. Four years of work. Like, it's just so intense leading up to that moment. Once you've made the team, it's like you can finally take that deep breath of like, okay, I've made it. Like, I'm here. I'm an Olympian. And then once you get to the games, it's kind of a little bit more, I think, of an excited pressure of like, all right, I'm at the biggest sporting stage in the world. I really want to make myself proud, my team proud, my family proud, my country proud, but I'm already here, right? So like, let's just go out and have fun and kick butt. Whereas trials, you're just like, all right, this is, this is it. You're one and only shot. So make the most of it. Yeah. That is unbelievable pressure. And I'm so glad that you said swimmers were psychotic because my dad was a swimmer and that just explains so much of my childhood now. (laughs) So I've just been enlightened. 25 years later, um, you mentioned uh, you mentioned being involved in talking to younger swimmers. Um, you guys have a great initiative going on right now, I believe. So we'd love to hear more of that. Saving lives and it is always in season. So we'd love to hear what you're working with there. And what's your involvement right now with swimming in the younger community? Yeah, I'd love to talk about it. Please. So I have been an ambassador for the USA Swimming Foundation um, since 2015, I believe. So I'm going on five years and just feel so fortunate. So the foundation is essentially the philanthropic branch of USA Swimming. So we really work on um, saving lives and building champions. So we work at a grassroots level to provide swim lessons um, to communities all across the country uh, to help prevent drowning. That's like our number, number, number one goal. 10 people drown every single day in the U.S. It's literally a pandemic. And obviously we've heard that word way too much. Um, (laughs) I guess an (laughs) epidemic is a better word. Um, So we don't have to keep using the P word. Um, But it is so sad. And we've done so much research and so many studies that show that if you put your child in swim lessons, you reduce their risk of drowning by 88%. So I think it's so, so, so important that we kind of bring in people from the swimming community to really just bring awareness and to help people get more informed about the importance of just getting your child in the pool. Um, And for us right now, obviously, with the pandemic and everything that's going on, is so many pools are closed. And especially for this summer, we had so many closures, kids weren't getting in the pool, no one was getting in the pool, right? We were all quarantining. And so right now, the campaign we're really working on is essentially that every season is, is swim season, right? That we should always be worried about our kids around the water. Are they safe? Can we figure out a way to get them in lessons? And there are so many places across our country, whether it's learn to swim schools or gyms, or if your pool is open, or you can take your child to get lessons in. Don't wait until May, right before the pools open up. You can take them to do lessons in the winter. Indoors. Just make sure the car is extra warm when they get in after and they're soaking wet. <laughs> but we're really just trying to kind of spread the word, you know, don't wait until next summer. Don't wait until the pools are open. And we're also trying to just keep pools open right now so we can train lifeguards, make sure that they're being extra safe. And like, like I've been saying, really just get your kids in the water and helping them kind of improve on the, the life skill that swimming is. Yeah. It's such a, cause it obviously is your sport, but it's almost even more than that. It's like the only sport that kind of supersedes just like, it's it just such a big impact on life because it can be, you know, if you're not right. a good swimmer, you can be in trouble. Yeah. You know, right. it's like we were swimming yeah. at the beach the other day and thank God I knew how to tread water a little bit because those waves were a little rocky and I was a little, you know, it could get, it could get no, intense it's so out there. True. And my, my coach would always tell me swimming is the only sport that will save your life and the only sport that you can do for the rest of your life. 
And yeah. it's just such a cool thing to think about, but it's, it's really so true. And what we always like to say is you're never a hundred percent water safe, you know, like even us, you know, we've, a lot of us have been swimming our whole lives, but still, just like you were saying, you get into an ocean or an unpredictable body of water. Like there's still so much when you're working with kind of an other element there. So whatever we can do to help those become safer in and around the water, especially children. It's just one of the most, in my opinion, some of the most important work that we can be doing because we're literally saving lives. Yeah. And I think you, that's, it's amazing work that, that y'all are doing. I think you bring up a really great, great point. You can swim. You Once you learn how to swim, you can swim for your entire life. It's a lot easier on the body as you get progressively older then say running and a lot of people I'm in the same boat as you I I, uh, I don't like running very much either so it's about finding those alternatives of, of staying active not only for you know your physical health but also for your mental health we had um, uh, a guy named Adam Lefko on uh, at some point in the pandemic I'm not exactly it's sure blending, when it's all, yeah, blended, it's all, it's all blending together but but he had a really interesting kind of proposal that he thought that swimming has to be such a lonely sport and he wasn't necessarily surprised by some of the mental health stuff that that has come out um particularly from from michael phelps and i think you know what a what a great advocate um to to be talking about mental health and i know that you've come out in past and talked about some of the same stuff so one thing i, I first wanted to ask does that sentiment resonate is is that you know staring at the bottom of a pool is that what makes things you know you're in your own head you feel like it's it's somewhat of a perfectionist sport right it's very much technique driven um is that does that resonate i think it does um i and it's interesting because i never really thought about it like that before because i think there's two ways you can look at that that kind of loneliness right you can look at it you know as you you are lonely right it's just you and, and that black line for for two to four hours every single day. But the way that I looked at it for most of my career is we actually have a term for it and we call it black line therapy. And it's literally, it's yes, you're lonely, but also, you know, who gets two to four hours a day to just kind of be with themselves and their thoughts and work through things. And, and, you know, that's, that's kind of special time to have that kind of almost peace and quiet just to yourself. So I think for the majority of my career, that's how I looked at it. But I think you brought up some really, really good points. It's 100% a perfectionist sport, right? As I was just talking about, we train years and years to drop tenths of seconds. So like that can be so much pressure. And I, I think it's especially, you know, having known Michael since I was 13 and just being so proud of him and everything that he's opened up with. I think it's very similar to what other sports deal with and just the external pressure, you know? And I think social media can be a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it can also be a really hurtful thing. And so to be an athlete in this time, there is so much more pressure on you than just even competing and doing well. Like that's not even a hundred percent of what you have to do as a professional athlete. Now you have to be likable. You have to be funny. You have to be personable on camera. And there's just so many other aspects. And yeah. I think everything is just starting to weigh on athletes really, really, which is just a big weight. And so I think a lot of different sports share a lot of that weight, but swimming, I think is definitely individual in the way that it is very perfectionist, very technique driven. And you do definitely get a little bit of more time just kind of in your own head for sure. Yeah, I definitely love the positive outlook on that. You know, I mean, as an athlete, you know, growing up as well, I mean, when you're working on something on on your own, you're, you're working to, for the better of your own team, but for yourself as well. And I just think that, you know, that's a great outlook on how to, how to approach that. Yeah, black line therapy, the new BLT. That's the good BLT, <laughs> the good BLT that, that, that we want. I don't know if it's as good as the OG, but... The OG, but it's like, it's the new BLT. It's just, I mean, there's... And you know what the emphasis now, and we talk to athletes and we see athletes is what are you going to do after you're done? So you have like these 19 year old athletes coming into like the, the NBA and already they have to, instead of focusing on the game tomorrow, they have to be, people are asking them what they're going to do in 20 years when they're retired, if they even make it that far. Yeah. I mean, it is such an intense weight and pressure that we see. And even we as the media put on people, just, you know, hap out, you send a tweet out and you don't think anything of it. You're just making content. But, you know, that's someone's livelihood. Everyone knows what everyone makes. It's just, it's a lot of openness right now. It's the good and the bad for, for sure. Um, what were some of the positive and negative, speaking of positives and negatives, starting such a young age? 
because again, we talked about the top of the show, your qualifiers are 13, you know, at 17, you're in the Olympics. You know, positives. I was so naive that a lot of that stuff didn't even phase me. Right. I mean, I was so young that I was just so happy to be there and so excited that it was honestly easier not to let that pressure get to me because I was 17 and like, I wasn't thinking like Justin Bieber just tweeted me. Like that was all that I cared about. <laughs> oh, did he actually? That's like, like that I would have retired then. That's oh, awesome. Yeah, no, I was like, all right, I'm done. Like half a goggle that's, that's it. We're set. Uh, but it was just, you know, like silly things like that. Like I think being so young, you're still so focused on just having fun mm. and finding that fulfillment. And I think the older I got, the more concerned I became with, living up to others expectations and you kind of just touched on it but i think something that's really hard is when you're in the spotlight people kind of feel like they have a right to your life and to everything that goes on within it and being in that spotlight from such a young age i think that that is a little tough because you sort of get this weird understanding of what privacy is. Mm -hmm. You know, you have total strangers that come up and are, you know, not right now, but that are hugging you and talking to you about this and that, that have followed you and are talking to you about kind of personal experiences in your life that they know about because they've read about. And yet you're talking to like a total stranger about these things. And, you know, that was happening to me as early as 15, 16 years old. So I think it's hard to grow up and also playing off what we were talking about with the perfectionism in the sport. I think that kind of, for me, bled over just into real life in terms of having that perfectionism and feeling like as a human being, I was never allowed to make a mistake because if I did, it would be captured, it would be shared and everyone would see that. And that's a ton of pressure that has nothing to do with sport but of course, like all impacts it just the same. So, you know, I think I'm always a glass half full type of person. So Seems I would like never change anything about my career or when it started or how it happened because I'm the person that I am today because of it. Um, but I think it's really important that we just keep having these conversations about mental health, about recognizing that even if you're a famous athlete, you're also still a human being. Yeah. And just be aware of what you're saying about people, the way that you're speculating, and ultimately just just having respect for one another. Yeah, it is most important at the end of the day. I mean, it's just companionship because you shouldn't be defined by what you do. It shouldn't be the end all be all. And were there some, you know, or as the a f- good or the bad things, right? Yeah. Like I don't want to be defined on my best day and I don't want to be defined on my worst day. I yeah. just want to be defined for who I was all those days in between, like the consistency of who I am versus kind of either end of that, um, that spectrum. I like that. I'm, I'm going to, I'm stealing that one. <laughs> that, 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 I'm taking back pocketing that one right there. Take it, take uh, it, take it. As a, as a female athlete, did you feel that there were pressures against you that you couldn't do some of the things you wanted to do, like start a family in your life or, you know, yeah. because it could jeopardize because of, you know, the undertaking on, undertake, undertaking on your body that you couldn't do that, you know, while, you know, not sacrificing your, your uh, sport. It's totally, it's such a good question. You know, I, I feel really fortunate in that, uh, and I'm not just saying this, but I really do believe that in terms of gender equality, swimming is one of the best sports. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it gives very equal fair chances to both men and women. Um, and I never felt once in my career like I was discriminated against professionally because I was a female. So I feel really, really grateful for that. And in terms of starting a family, I think because I was so young, that wasn't necessarily an issue for me because um, I wasn't really at a point in my life where I wanted to start that when I was competing. I think body image is probably something, again, across all sports where females get a little bit more of that pressure than males do. And then especially in a sport where you're pretty much half naked all the time, um, it's a little bit more of that added. And again, I think that started to come on more towards the end of my career as well, where you just become a little bit aware of not only 
how you're swimming, but how you look and how you're getting, you know, compared to one another. And I have been six feet tall since I was 13 years old. So I am no stranger to the ups and downs of self-esteem. I don't think a boy was taller than me until my freshman year of high school. So I, I totally like went through that during middle school, but then I think still growing through the sport, you know, it's, it's tough with the pressures that we get put on us again, to not just compete, but to also look pretty while we're doing it and to get out of a race and go in front of a camera and somehow look like we didn't just exert all of our energy and are sweating and dripping. <laughs> like I, I mean, you guys, the amount of times people have literally come to me and been like, wow, you're so much prettier in person. Oh. And I'm like, well, when you see me on TV, I just got off of a, <laughs> a race. I'm in cap and goggles. I'm like, thank you, but not maybe the best way to say it. Not at all. <laughs> no. And like, right, even just like the fact that people feel like, you know, that they can say those kinds of things to you. Who but says that? I, again, <laughs> laugh past full. So like, I always laugh at those kinds of things. I'm like, wow, thank you. Really appreciate it. But again, it's just, I think the cumulative expectations and pressures that you feel. Um, and again, I think some of those go, you know, across sport boundaries, especially for women, like, like body image and self-confidence. But I feel fortunate in that. I know, you know, if we look at U.S. women's soccer, you know, the kind of discrimination that some female, the WNBA. WNBA is terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's appalling. Like, it's, it's just shocking kind of what they deal with and the difference that you see um, in between gender um, within some other sports. So I feel really fortunate to have been in a sport, in a sport that really supported me. Yeah, and we brought up, like, contracts and salaries, and you could even see – NBA versus WNBA, it's like the best player in the WNBA is making a fraction of like what the last guy in the Lakers bench is making. Like J.R. Smith, no offense to him, love him, fun guy, but no, they're all the guys are great. This is nothing to do it's with not like, personal. I love the NBA too. Like, yeah, but <laughs> it's so true. Like, I, and you're talking about stats, and like I think a couple that I've been reading about, you know, the difference between Sue Bird and LeBron James, it's like showing all of their credentials and then their income and their salary. It's just like, it's really, it's, it's sad. And you really hope that as a society and as a culture, we start and we're starting to, we continue to make that progress toward that kind of that equalization that, that we all, I think hopefully that we all want. No, totally. Yeah. I mean, what she's, what Sue's been able to do, I mean, she's 40 yeah. years old. It's, crazy. it's unbelievable. The career that she's put together. It's, it's really, it's really amazing, honestly. And of course, you know, we're, people aren't talking, people are talking about it, but they're not talking about it as much as they should be. I'm, I'm glad that I've seen side by side, you know, graphics on Instagram and Twitter comparing her, her career with LeBron's because that's the stuff that we need to see. Um, and we're seeing more of it, but it's just, we need to keep pushing. We need yeah. to keep pushing on, on a lot of different things. Um, it's, <laughs> there's so many different issues that need to be kept pushing on. Um, <laughs> But at least, being, at least it's being talked. Oh yeah, at least it's being talked about. Is the glass exactly. half full, Missy Franklin yeah. Johnson way? And I will say this: you know, no one looks ten out of ten in a swim cap. So don't. They, yeah, really, that's, it, it's really just impossible. Like I'm sorry, you're bald. Your eyebrows are being pulled back to it's your crazy. forehead. Like it's just, it's not gonna happen. Like from my personal opinion, like it doesn't get much handsomer than Ryan Lochte. Like that, like him, McConaughey. <laughs> Pattinson on a good day. It doesn't really get much better than those. And even he's, yeah, even he's like, not like, you know, like he, 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 even he, like, all right, maybe like if that guy goes out like that, I have somewhat of a chance against him. You know, it's, you know, not everyone is like, is, is, is unbelievable in, in, in a swim cap. Um, what are you got? What are you working on right now? Other than the charity? Oh my gosh. Oh, so much, which is so fun. Right. But yeah. I, I think this time is, has been hard for all of us in different ways. And I think for me, it's been one of the most challenging um, aspects of it is feeling, you know, how do I continue to make a difference sitting at home in my office? You know, what does that look like? And so I feel so fortunate to be a part of, 
you know, campaigns like the USA Swimming Foundation and still being able to sit here at home and get the word out about swim lessons and the importance of that and about how there is no right season. Every season is the perfect season to start to get your kid in the water to do something that's going to, you know, potentially save your child's life, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think doing things from home that make me still feel like I'm making a difference and being a positive impact in the world. So I'm sitting on, um, I'm also a new board member for an organization um, in India, which has been so fun. That's cool. Um, And they are a football program or a soccer program down there and also a school for young girls in this little, little town in rural India. And the football program in the school keeps them out of childhood marriage at literally like 13 years old. And so the program is called UWA. So like, that's been amazing. So I've been doing seminars every month with the girls. So I'm literally like having classes with 20 girls in rural India every month, which has just been like amazing. On Zoom or are you going down there? Yeah, on Zoom, which is so fun. So getting to like see them and talk to them and, you know, a couple of other things that I'm involved in too. But I think just being able to be present during this time as well. You know, my husband and I just celebrated our one year anniversary in September and we both normally travel so much that for our first year of marriage to have this kind of time together, like we're, I'll I'll speak for myself. I'm obsessed with him. So like to have (laughs) this kind of time together every single day, like it's just such a blessing. And I, I know how special it is to be able to say that right now, because I know what a horrible few months these have been for so many people. And I genuinely feel like we've, we've been able to make, make the best out of it. And we have a lot of resources that enable us to do that, that a lot of people don't. So I think just keeping our, keeping our chins up, keeping a smile on our face, staying safe, you know, not getting ahead of ourselves, but trying to just keep putting that good, good energy into the world, even, even from home. Yeah, that's great. I'm sure like, I don't want to speak for your husband, but as a fellow Longhorn, I am sure you are second to only Texas football. That is, that, <laughs> well, not right now. No, well, not right, not right, God, not right now. Highest compliment a wife can receive. I, I know, right? Married to a Longhorn. Tough season right now, though. I'll say that. That is a tough season. Yeah. Were you you're you're a Georgia UGA alum? Was it when we played uh, Sugar Bowl uh, a couple years back? Was it head to head in the house? You know, I. Uh, it's kind of funny, you guys. I'm actually really not that competitive, which a lot of people hear and they like don't believe it. But I think I'm just such I'm such a people pleaser, and I hate confrontation. So like I don't really like ever being against someone. Like even if it's something as silly as sports, like I I yeah. just like don't get so invested in that because I just want everyone to be happy. So like even with the Sugar Bowl, it was like. I don't really like a part of me was kind of just going to sound so like I almost want the Longhorn uh, because he's so that's such a nice characteristic to have and we know so many people that like will openly root against us because they just want so to see rude. Us they just want to see me in pain it's like guys come on we're, like, we're already in pain we're already <laughs> we're already hurting it's like we, we we're all we, we're on the west coast so our okay, game started knowing that I don't get thank you Thank you. Because we're on the West Coast, so our games are like not at noon anymore. They're at nine AM. So our days are ruined by like by noon. It's over. By it's our Saturday's <laughs> toast. Yeah. Um Bless your <laughs> try. Couple uh playing that we're on the West Coast, so yeah. it can't be any better right now. Yeah, yeah. that that is true. Uh quick question for you. I was curious when I read this. Um your mom wanted you to swim for Canada. Yeah. And you decided oh. to go for Team USA. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. I think at some point that got a little blown out of proportion. Okay, yes. <laughs> it wasn't like my mom was like, Canada, eh? Like, <laughs> yeah. for my homeland or you're getting kicked out. The family, yeah, you're toast. Um, it, both my parents are. <laughs> both my parents Missy are. Missy out of the will. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so I'm Canadian too, but I was born here. I was born in California. Um, I love having dual citizenship. I love Canada. Um, it's amazing. We still have family up there. My aunt has a beautiful mm. home in Nova Scotia, which is where my mom is from. Um, but when we get up to it's some of my favorite time that we get to spend together. But I just being 
born here, raised here. I've always felt American first and foremost. And, you know, a, a, I don't want to, I don't want this to sound horrible, but it, it would have been easier to make the Canadian team than the American team, just because we've had the best swimming team in the world right. for I think it's something like 56 years. Um, and it, it's really unbelievable the legacy that, that USA Swimming has. So while it without a doubt was the tougher decision to make, it never really felt like a decision because mm. I had just always been American. I'd always lived here. I'd always been here. And it's still been fun. See, I'm going to do it now, cheering for Canada because I love them. And their team has gotten so good over the past several years. So it's been really fun to watch them kind of grow and see the amazing superstars that they've been able to produce over there too. Yeah, absolutely. Have you thought about coaching at all? Yeah, not for me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I feel so, like I feel like this falls back to you being a nice person. I yeah, think. exactly. It's like the, that's like the glass half full. It was a good time. It's really good. Really great. Um, I just feel like I have dedicated so much of my life to being on a pool deck. Um, that I am currently teaching one-on-one -on -one lessons at Swim Labs, which has been super, super fun. So that's um, kind of under the brand of Safe Splash, which is a learn to swim school, but this is for more, um, it can really be for anyone. They do learn to swim as well, but we have video technology that allows us to put cameras in an endless pool. And so a swimmer can just get in the pool, swim against the current, we film everything, and then we can review. And it's it's really awesome. There's not really technology like it anywhere else. And so that's been really fun for me because it's a very like one-on-one -on -one, um, kind of relational environment, which is what means something to me. I think at this point, I'm just so much more about creating you know, connections and relationships. And so when I'm in that one-on-one -on -one environment, I love it. And also, you know, just doing it a couple hours a week is perfect for me because it feels like I'm still involved in the swim community. It allows me to give back to the Colorado swimming community in particular because they've just done so much for me. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if I was just on a pool deck, again, two to four hours a day, I feel like I've done all I can do in that space in particular. Yeah. And there's so much else outside of that where I feel like I can really make a difference. Right on. Right on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Being a, being a coach is intense. I mean, how many times a day can you blow that whistle? <laughs> I know. It's just, I, you have so much credit for them too, right? Like I think the older we get, the more appreciation oh, we yeah. have for, for coaches and for what they do. So whenever Hayes and I do webinars and we're talking to teams. One of the first things we say is like, if you're not doing this, you need to start every single day after practice. You need to just say thank you to yeah, your coach. Because they put in time too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was something I did throughout my entire career. And no one ever told me to do it, but for whatever reason, whether I had the best practice, the worst practice, whether I loved my coach at the time or I never wanted to talk to him again, I always said thank you after practice because I mean they're putting in just as much time and attention for your goals. You know they're not even theirs; they're sometimes yours. Sometimes more too. I mean, sometimes yeah, exactly. you see stay back extra and mm -hmm. get the preparation. And yeah, I mean, I have so much respect for coaches. Yeah, it's they, amazing. So they, I have a huge respect for it, but I don't don't think it'll be quite my path. <laughs> Fair enough. Had to ask, was curious. Uh, they do have such a great impact on the youth. Um, speaking of impact, Natalie Coughlin, you brought her up earlier. What was her impact on you? Because I know she was your idol, then you got to swim with her, which is just, that's kind of like loving basketball. The next thing you know, KD's your teammate or you're going no, against him. Totally. It's, so, it's exactly like that. And I say that all the time about swimming too, because I think that's this one of the only sports where you get that. I mean, what high school basketball player gets to gets to play on the same court as LeBron James? You know, like it, it just doesn't happen. Whereas swimming, we provide so many different opportunities for young athletes to actually see and be on deck and compete against Olympians and their idols and some of the best in the world. That is a really, really cool thing. Like that's yeah, an amazing yeah. experience. And so I remember the first time I raced Natalie, I was 12 and it was at a meet in Charlotte and it was a hunter backstroke. 
And the reason I remember it so well is because I beat her and it was in prelims. And the reason I beat her was because she slipped on her start and went so far deep that she was literally like underwater kicking on the bottom of the pool. And I saw the race video afterwards and I was like, I knew I shouldn't have won, but I was still so excited (laughs) at 12, but she's been amazing. You know, I think the really special thing about Natalie is she's just such an all-encompassing person like she's just wise like she knows so much about everything she's so calm she she's so grounded and I just love that about her so the older I got the more meets I have to go to with her there the better I got to know her and then being at Cal when I was there swimming she was swimming for the men's team and so got to get her to know her on a totally different level there and to have one of your role models become not only your teammate but then become your friend like that's just a really really amazing thing to happen so she yeah she's just done so much for me i mean i look up to her in a million and one ways and now she's the most incredible mom to zenny about to pop with her second and it's just been such a beautiful um experience for me to watch her transition you know into this incredible role of motherhood and the the wonderful job that she's doing so it's it's been pretty uh special relationship that i've had with her awesome missy we asked you to reminisce about that moment We're going to ask you to reminisce again. We mentioned this at the beginning of the show, but we always ask all of our guests who come on, what is your favorite sports memory? Um, It can be something that you watched or it can be something that you competed in. Um, We we would love to hear it. So I think, I I can't do which ones I've watched. There's way too many. (laughs) Um, But for uh, so many, for me personally, it would be right before the 4x100 medley relay in London. It was Dana Vollmer, Rebecca Sony, Allison Schmidt, and myself. And three out of the four of us had won gold medals in our 100 strokes. Um, and then Allison had won the 200 freestyle gold medal. So it was pretty much just like the most epic relay of all time and it was our last race of the meet and I just remember we were back in the ready room and I think people kind of have this conception about ready rooms before races as being these like super intense like quiet you can hear a pin drop sort of like something's about to burst kind of tension and I remember walking into this ready room and almost being floored because you had four women representing eight different countries. You had eight different relay teams in there and every single team was laughing and hugging and reaching out to other teams and telling them what a great job they had done. And there was just like this palpable joy in the room of like, we've made it. This is our last race. We just competed at Olympic games and it was universal, which I think was the most magical thing for me is it wasn't just my team. It wasn't just our relay. It was every single woman in that room from all around the world. And it was just so beautiful. And I looked at that room and I just thought, this is what sport is like, this is what sport is all about. And so that has just stuck with me. And whenever I think back on really any of my Olympic experiences, that moment is one of the first to always come to mind. That's awesome. And this is why we asked the question, because that is one we would never have guessed or never have known. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Missy. Thank you so much for joining us today. You, your energy was amazing. We loved having you on seriously. Of course you guys, thank you so much for having me. I will talk to three Longhorns. Any day. There we go. The honorary <laughs> hook'em. Ladies and gentlemen, Missy Franklin Johnson, thank you again. Of course, you guys. Thank you so much. I know we say it a lot, but I really think this was one of my favorite ones. I really do. Yeah. I think the um her her husband, Hayes Johnson. Hayes. UT alum. I think okay. that, that that connection really uh really brought us all together and allowed for an incredible show. We were really grateful that, that Missy was uh, able to come on and enlighten us honestly um it was something that we didn't necessarily know that much about and i feel like those are the interviews where we always get the most out of them and hopefully you the listeners do as well it's more fun when we're learning i feel 
I always find that at least for me and just, I think the podcast is better when we're learning on the fly. I also, I hear is this a wild thought. I would love to get like barbecue with them, like a real Texas thing going. I always like, just, feel, I, I feel not, not guilty or bad, but like, okay, we interview and it's kind of, you know, click clop shop kind of deal. Let's like get some beers and food. Let's like, you know, I mean, it's, I know it's like a, not the time and place for it right now, but someday somehow. Yeah. One day salt Lake barbecue. The uh, the five of us, well, the the six of us, seven of us, really. We had a, a, a Jessica was on the show of USA Swim, and and Jeff, and was there a Jeff on the show? There Dang, was another another, another gentleman that was on the show as well. I, he didn't speak, nor did I see him. Um, well, just to to provide some kind of some insight, I didn't see anyone. So we zoomed, <laughs> we zoomed this entire show, and I was looking at five black like squares. I couldn't even, I couldn't see myself. I had no idea. Zoom can go right there. I had hell. no idea the faces that you or Nick were making. You could have had You, you could know. have seen me cuz you're sitting across from each other. Well, yeah. Yeah. Nick was doing his usual. He smiles a lot. He's happy. Well, that's good. That's good. Nick no, no. is smiling. From the video that I saw on our Instagram today, uh Missy looks very happy as well. So that's that's great to hear. Nick does this beautiful thing and I want you to watch for it next time. Every time. He, Nick has, Nick, I mean, Nick is, you know, good for one outside the box question to show. And I mean, that as a, I mean, as a, no, I mean, as a comment, like, cause we, we, some, we have a script and like, you know, there's cookie cutter, not cookie cutter, but there's questions we have labeled out, but there's a question that Nick will ask sometimes. I'm like, wow, I didn't even see that coming. Like, I didn't even think of that. That's pretty out of left field. But whenever he goes to it, he always looks off in the distance. Like he's about to say something epic. And then he does. I think it's always hilarious. It's very adorable, Nick. Um, if you're, if you're listening, um, but yeah, Missy Franklin, epic show, epic show. Really, really awesome. Yeah. The fans out there drag both feet inbound, swing on a full count, rip that puck, hit that putt, hit your PKs cause they free dive into the pool, not in the shallow section and hit your free throws. Why toss? Cause they are free. Cause they're free. We out you. We love you. We sitting here, I supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.